Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Go Steelers! Go Steelers! Say go Steelers! Go Steelers! Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Steelers Outpost Podcast. We're presented to you by Sports Drink. Thank you very much to Sports Drink for hosting a podcast dedicated to the undefeated Pittsburgh Steelmen. Steelmen took care of business 19-9 against the Lions, uh, completing perhaps the dreaded undefeated preseason, because I'm pretty sure like the, the Lions themselves, when they went defeated 0-16, I think they won all the games in the preseason, or maybe it was the Browns. But uh, the Rams, Super Bowl champs from last year, they lost every game in the preseason last year and won the Super Bowl. So, listen, we got a lot of opinions on this podcast, but we pride ourselves as men of science. And if you just look at science, it's a bad sign for the Steelers. Some people think it's going to be the offensive line. No. Some people think it's changing Heinz Field to Akershore Stadium. That's not it either. Maybe it's the fact that they can't decide on a true QB1. That's actually not a problem. The problem is science, sacred numerology, and going undefeated in the preseason. But actually, who cares about any of that? The Steelmen beat the Lions. They do go undefeated in the preseason. It has been a fun preseason. I think the major take around the country right now is – we are ready for it to be done. Like the first week of the preseason is so exciting because you get football. And then if you're a Steelers fan, it's extra exciting considering they played the greatest preseason game in the history of all football. Uh, Combined uh, the excitement of the game with the excitement of the new players who have joined the Steelers, hometown hero, Kenny Pickett, George Pickens, blah, blah, blah. Everybody balls out. Great. We got to see that. And the rest of the preseason is pretty boring. Well, that is true. And I'm ready for the regular season. But it is interesting how the, the second two preseason games, the Steelers versus the Jaguars and the Steelers versus the Lions, were significant comedowns from that first game for a couple reasons. And I guess by a couple, I mean one. The offensive line is it's a war crime is what it is. It is so bad. Uh, and we've issued thoughts about it on the podcast so far, my thought being, Look, the, the James Daniels not starting the ground, uh, not starting the year off uh, running. I don't know where I was going with that ground thing. But James Daniels not being good so far, that is a, a red flag. That's alarming because you thought he would be able to step in and be, be good right away. Now, there's still hope for him because he has a, um, a relatively long resume of, of playing well. So you'd assume that he could do that, particularly – when the Steelers learn how to gel a little bit more. He's never played with these guys. Mason Cole hasn't played with these guys. So 
it would be hard to see them not getting better, but you can't deny that 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 wanting that lineman to, to be able to plug and play and him not being able to do that, that's a uh, that's an issue. All right. But we have stated before on this podcast that what do you expect? Like they haven't invested any picks in the in the offensive line. I guess they did uh, green with a third round pick a year ago. That was their attempt, but they haven't used the first or second round around linemen since DeCastro and Pouncey. And before DeCastro and Pouncey, I can't even remember who the last one was. Maybe like Marvell Smith. He might have been a second rounder. I can't remember, but you saw how that worked, right? When they finally invested in the offensive line, it became one of the best lines in the whole league. So I don't know if we expected the line to be good this year, but we should not have um, because they haven't invested anything in it. And am I upset at them for not investing anything in it? I'm not, personally, because you do hope that um, James Daniels does pan out because he's the type of signing that you want to pan out. You know, it's like the equivalent of um, the Chargers signing Matt Filer. Like, okay, he might not be a superstar, and James Daniels generally was actually regarded as a better player than, than Matt Filer. But this isn't a superstar, but this is the kind of signing that's going to solidify your team. So you'd like that to pan out, but... Look, how can you be upset with the Steelers over the last two drafts netting Najee Harris, Pat Fryermuth, and then if all things go according to plan, Kenny Pickett and George Pickens? Like, it's hard to complain about that, except for the Najee Harris pick as a an 18-wheeler with engine problems uh, sort of creeps past me on the highway. My apologies here. Rainy Houston afternoon as I'm driving in between places getting the podcast in here. But um, – I know that the Najee Harris pick can be can that one is worth you know examining. Like, was it really time to get a running back long before you had an offensive line? I mean, it's it's failed so many times for so many teams. But in the Steelers' case, you look at the guy on the field; he's unbelievable. Every other position is looking extremely promising at the moment. And if they just have one more draft next year in free agency where they can really dedicate it to finding linemen, it is very feasible that they could uh, procure that they could put together a good offensive line. And then who's complaining when you have this unbelievable skill group and a good defense and uh, a lot of youth. And, and, you know, it's just going to take more than one year for the Steelers to rebuild from losing a top five offensive line, every single player on that line, Hall of Fame quarterback, Hall of Fame receiver, running back who's on track for the Hall of Fame. Like, it's pretty incredible that they've turned around in the time that they did. So I'm just going to start the show off with that (laughs) because – I think that that's sort of the headline news from the preseason ever since the Pickett and Pickens joy sort of wore off of how bad the offensive line is. So am I worried about it? I'm not worried about it, but I don't think it's going to be good. I just think that it's it's going to look similarly to how it has looked the past two or three years where it's really bad, but you're going to get better quarterback play and more athletic quarterback play. And even if it's not about evading sacks, you know, Ben's game is never really getting rid of the ball quick, which is hilarious because he got rid of the ball quicker than any other quarterback in the league for the t- past two years. But it wasn't it wasn't overly effective, is I guess what I'm saying. So hopefully these guys, definitely Kenny, is a little bit more used to that. So that'll help. And the skill positions are tremendously better than what Ben was working with. Because, yes, he had ben, uh, Deontay and, and Claypool last year and Fryermuth and Najee. So that was, that was helpful in the last year. But, uh, you know, adding Pickens to that group and giving all those guys an extra year of experience goes a long way. So I think the Steelers is going to be fun to watch that way. And I think they can still build that offensive line. And it's hard not to love what they've done with their skill position players, especially since all of these guys have really performed well 
during the preseason. So that's just my little soliloquy on the offensive line. You're not going to have many guys who are available for you to pick up at this moment. And out of all the positions on the team, offensive line will need the most time to gel. Even a line that has been together is going to require just game experience to be able to properly communicate, figure out how their line mate works, figure out where you need to protect them, when you need to protect them, figuring out how to pick up stunts and basically become an amoeba, uh, an octopus of sorts, where they're all working under one fleshy jelly brain. And so you do have to assume they will get a little bit better, but the talent on its own is is alarming. And, and definitely Dan Moore as the starting tackle is looking like the new Mike Adams in terms of, oh, good Lord in heaven, this man is unplayable and he's going to get somebody hurt. He's going to not get hurt himself. He's, just, you know, not going to somehow get everybody else hurt. That's no good. We don't want that. So, yep, big issue, but uh, it is what it is. And this is what it's like when you're building a team. So I, I personally can't complain with how great all the other players have looked so far. So if we just want to tackle these main issues, and we've already tackled offensive line, the quarterback uh, quote-unquote battle, if there ever really was one, will be another thing that I'll cover really quickly uh, because I don't think that there's much to say about the defense. Obviously, this was a terrifying game with T.J. Watt and Deontay Johnson, the best defensive and best offensive player, getting hurt in the same game. But luckily, Tomlin said if it were a regular season injury, those guys probably would have come back in the game. So it sounds like they both avoided something. Still, you don't love to hear that. And, and if they came out of the game, it's not nothing. It wasn't a stinger. They would have come back in if it were a stinger. So hopefully those guys are able to get healthy quickly. And luckily, there are some other people to pick up the slack in Deontay's case, because Highsmith hasn't even really played all preseason to spell TJ, and that's definitely a little worrisome, although I am sure he will play, and he'll be TJ Watt, because he was TJ Watt in the first game he played, immediately getting a sack against Trevor Lawrence, and I think he had like three tackles in the backfield in a row during this game, so who knows, maybe TJ Watt's getting even better, which is, you know, it's fun for us. So, defensively, TJ Watt leads the way. I don't think that there's much else to talk about there besides, wow, TJ, Cam, and Minka are unbelievable. Your superstars are living up to their billing. Miles Jack has continued to impress. Devin Bush, look, I'm on the give up train a little bit. I don't love to, I'm trying not to talk as negatively about these human beings. (laughs) Be sort of sensitive to that while, while still offering a legitimate opinion on their quality of play. But that is one where I'm like, I would be shocked if, if this guy, especially based off of his attitude and his interviews, were to turn out. But he has played better ever since that first abysmal game. He had some nice plays in the backfield, and and that's encouraging uh, because if he can just be a little bit above what he was last year, you combine him with Miles Jack, who's looked really good, and you're in luck. And I think our buddy Derek the Kid, who we shout out on a lot of these podcasts, is one of my favorite uh, Twitter follows and buddies. Um, he pointed out that Levi Wallace – was really good in run support. And so Witherspoon has been good as well. And these corners have been doing a great job in that department. And I responded to him saying, I think that that's going to be a bigger deal than people are making it. And I think that coupled with receivers blocking downfield, which was a massive problem last year. Alex Kazora had some great cut-ups of why they don't, uh, uh, showing evidence of the receivers not blocking downfield and then showing evidence on basically any of the, four big runs that the Steelers had last year, they were sprung by a wide receiver at one point. And like, that's generally the difference between 
a small to medium run and a long run as receivers blocking out field. And you got George Pickens out there laying people out once again. By the way, I know Mac, uh, Pat McAfee said on his show after the first preseason week when Pickens did the – there's got to be a name for that. The, the two-handed shove he does to the dude's chest and knocks corners on the back every week. McAfee loved it, but he did question if Pickens will be able to get away with that anymore now that that's on film. And I remember laughing to myself as a loser listening to a podcast in a car and thinking that Pat and I are close personal friends and I'm actually involved in the conversation. But I did laugh to myself and say, oh, man, he's, he's going to keep doing it just because there's so much tape of him doing it at Georgia. And you're not going to run into many corners who are his size. So I think that he's going to have the advantage of that. And sure enough, he did it again. It's pretty awesome. But I think him leading the way there, if that could inspire Claypool, who does a good job, who has done a good job blocking at times, if you got those guys blocking, that, that, that'll that make a big difference on the run game. Uh, so I think the corners coming up and run support was really um, encouraging. And seeing the receivers do some blocking. So there, there's kind of the high overview stuff before I get to the real meat which everyone wants to talk about, which is the quarterback controversy. All right, so the quarterback controversy, there was none. This was always going to be Mitch's job. I think uh, – I I don't think that the that the preseason um, was useless for the quarterback, for Kenny. I'm being facetious in terms of saying, like, oh, this didn't matter at all. I guess what I mean is that I think that Mitch would have either had to have played really terrible in the preseason or Kenny, who played spectacular, he played awesome, he would have had to have had a more like a Dak Prescott type preseason where I thought Kenny was spectacular in the preseason. I think everybody's thought that. Uh, Another awesome throw and a throw down the field, which is really encouraging, was that throw the back shoulder to Boykin uh, during this game. That's awesome. Uh, by the way, I saw some people suggesting maybe he should have thrown it ahead of him uh, or he was trying to throw it ahead of him and underthrow. I thought it was pretty clear that he was aiming for the back shoulder on that particular play. So I liked that throw from him. But but that being said, Kenny, he's still developing. And there's one thing that we see Mitch do that Kenny doesn't do at all. And that's really attack downfield inside the numbers, right? And, and try to drive the ball downfield. And I think obviously Kenny will pick that up. Hopefully he does. It was not a huge part of his game at Pitt, honestly. Like a lot of those were sort of play action, big shots down the field when he hit that. But you see he has the talent for it. And he's on the Steelers with Mike Tomlin. He's going to see Mitch do it. So I would think Kenny's going to develop that. Um, But that being said, his preseason was so exciting because it, it sort of solidified, hey, this guy could start week one. And not only can he start week one, but he, he might even be better than – we expected at this stage, like, like obviously we knew he could be a good, good quarterback, but I don't know if anybody predicted it would be this immediate. And so that's exciting given how popular he is being the pit, the man from pit, you know, and everything like that. Of course it's exciting. It's awesome. Um, but I don't think it was like he was out there throwing for 300 yards a game. Hey, maybe if he had some blocking, he would have been able to great. Uh, his his yards per I think he had what like twenty something completions for like or maybe thirty I don't know it is it, it's pretty far below ten yards per completion which honestly I I think that's exactly what he should have been doing and I think that that's actually maybe even the argument that he could be a better starter than Trubisky not just for the upside aspect the like hey if they're even 
why don't you play the guy who you drafted, who we all know you're gonna you're gonna put in sooner or later. I don't think that's the only reason why he might be a better starter. I think that he does get the, rid of the ball quicker than Mitch, and I don't think that Mitch is even hanging on to it or running around like Carson Wentz just freestyling back there. But I think Kenny gets rid of the ball, makes decisions pretty exceptionally quick. So we'll see where that goes. But back to the competition in general, I think we all agree, like, Mitch has played really well. He's been under even more pressure than the other quarterbacks playing against the more starters, I would suppose. Um, He does look, like, a little bit more physically talented than, than Kenny, as we knew. Like, the arm's just a little bit stronger. He's a little bit bulkier. Obviously, he had some amazing scrambles. He's faster. Um, and so I get putting him in there to start the season. Uh, we kind of have gone over the quarterback controversies um, theory, you know, the, why you'd want to have Mitch or Kenny in there. We've gone over that quite a bit. But, look, I thought that uh, Mitch played well this game. It is incredible how little time he has to throw. His touchdown drive, 92 yards, I believe, to end his playing time in the first half was the best thing the Steelers did all offseason because this isn't just the Steelers getting a nice interception and punching the ball in from close like they didn't beat the Seahawks. This is uh, Mitch throwing the ball down the field, 30-yard passes to Fryermuth and Pickens, nice play on the slant for the touchdown. This is sustainable stuff. This is uh, players making plays. This isn't just the other team messing up or some formula uh, scheme helping them out. It was really impressive. So what I mean by there was never – quarterback competition is that I think Kenny would have had a blowout out of the water, but I think that this surely speeds up the timetable as to when they're going to put him in. Because look, the thing everybody loves about Mike Tomlin is he's down to earth and he's very open with his players. I, I guarantee you he's having the same conversations with Omar Khan, who seems the same way that we are out here. Like, okay, well, why don't, like, you're going to put Kenny in. Like, even if Mitch is like a pro bowler, which is going to be, you know, a Pro Bowl-level player, that's unlikely. But just the fact that you invested in in Kenny and he's from Pitt, like, let's not kid ourselves. That's going to happen. And so I'm sure Tom is itching to make that happen too, Uh, even though he's a smart coach and he'll make the right strategic decision. But uh, if they're even, you would think that those aspects would give Kenny the the edge. But, you know, I – I'm excited to see either one, either one of these guys play. The school of thought would be, hey, maybe don't put Kenny Pickett in there early because the offensive line is so bad and he's going to get hit. And he's been killing it against second teams. Uh, you see what he can do on the field. So that should escalate to two first teams because it's not like you're seeing a lot of other quarterbacks out there just carve defenses up against second teams. Sure, Mason Rudolph uh, does it against second and third teams, but he's, uh, you know, really high quality backup. And it just looks a little bit different because obviously Kenny does. Whereas Mitch might have the slight edge in every physical category over Kenny, slight edge. Kenny has the edge in every physical category over Mason Rudolph. So it's obvious when you watch him on the field, but you go play against the Bengals and, and they're extremely chaotic, confusing defense. They have talent back there as well. That's going to be tough. And then you go Bill Belichick and his defense. It's going to be a tricky a few weeks to get adjusted to the NFL, and people are saying, hey, if Kenny's going to get hit constantly, you could ruin the guy's processing, and that could be an issue. Whereas, and I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, just because the Steelers have so many other good pieces. They have great receivers and running back, 
And they, uh, oh, by the way, Warren, Jalen Warren, I meant to mention that at the top, speaking of running backs, looks like he might be solidifying the running back two role, which will be huge because he does a lot of the powerful things that Benny Snell does, but just faster. Everything's a little faster. It's a good pass protector. That's really encouraging. That would be a cool story. So back to Kenny. I, I think that the, the skill positions are so good around him and his specialty is so revolved around quick decision-making and getting the ball out quick. And we've seen a sample size of him being able to do that. I think he'd be fine. Like I sure he's going to take his lumps, but I'm kind of more of the school of thought, get that guy in as soon as you can, because you're going to want him. You're not going to the Super Bowl with a rookie quarterback like this, but by next year, you want him to be experienced and not having his first few starts. So that makes you wonder when are they going to take Mitch out? Cause I'd be shocked if he played the entire season. Um, and the only thing you'd worry about there is, hey, what happens if Mitch is playing fine, but they don't have a great record, or maybe they do, and you take Mitch out in week six, are the players going to turn on you because it's like, hey, what, Mitch has been playing well. Why are you taking him out? You could do that to us too. I think that won't be an issue either because Mike Tomlin's got the team. He's always got everybody going in the same direction. He's got tremendous respect from the team. I'm sure he's acknowledging the quarterback situation out loud. That's one of the way he approaches things. McAfee, again, mentioned that when Chris Boswell was having a hard time in his slump a few years back, Tomlin said, hey, I love you, Boz, but if you keep missing these damn kicks, I'm going to bring in somebody else. Like, he'll tell you if he thinks you can handle it, right? But, like, it just, you know, you can't go wrong with, 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 with Mitch for now and with Tomlin knowing how to handle these things. And also – with the Steelers having a bunch of veteran players, everybody knows the deal. Everybody knows Kenny Pickett's going to go in at some point. There's just too much invested in him and then the history and the excitement. Like, it's going to happen. So even if Mitch had played okay and they find a spot to put Kenny Pickett in, I think that the Steelers would not crumble or fall apart that way. So we'll see what happens. Yes, I do think that Mitch has played well. It's been impressive how he's pushed the ball down the field. Obviously, escaping pressure and all that kind of stuff, great. Um, but also just the, the quality of the ball that he's throwing. He's throwing some really nice deep and intermediate passes, and we haven't seen that in a while in Pittsburgh. And, you know, he'll be able to handle himself with that really bad offensive line to start the season. So I'll be excited to see him and all the playmakers regardless. Uh, I guess I got a week off before the first game or a weekend off here, and I just can't wait to see them in Cincinnati. Uh, running behind Mitch Trubisky. It'll be hilarious, right? When I drop this podcast, they'll announce, you know what? Kenny's the starter, but uh, hopefully we'll get to see Kenny in there sooner rather than later. But at least we don't have a you know an offensive duck and Mason. But at least we don't have that situation. At least we get to watch somebody who's talented and there's there's some upside in Mitch Trubisky. So uh, I'll enjoy real games when they come up here. You guys, this was just an express episode. There's gonna be a lot to talk about over the next coming weeks and months because football is bad. Thank you, God. We appreciate you for keeping us on this earth longer to see more football. All right. That's for Papa Tom, who's out there in the ether today. And I'm Nick from the Houston Mobile Outpost. Follow us on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Email us at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Until next time, go Steelers. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. 
Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.